Hello and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. And if you joined us last week, uh, you saw, you you didn't see, but... <laughs> if you did see, then you're looking at the window. If you did see, <laughs> then you seek medical help. You listened to uh, the Kendra Hatcher story part one, and now we're picking it up in part two. Yes. And before we do that, I would like to address something very important, which is what are you fearing today, Becky, aside from part two? I'm fearing that I picked the wrong day to quit drinking. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember on, um, I might have mentioned this to you, but when Jan 6 happened, and I think you and I were messaging that day because we had just done our QAnon episode, I put on Facebook that scene from airplane he's like i picked the wrong day to quit drinking i picked the wrong day to quit shooting heroin or whatever yeah kind of how i feel right now with the state of the countries i picked the wrong week to quit drinking so i had this is my last two weeks went to new york went to the tony's had a great time my sister-in-law didn't win but it was awesome get back to, uh, to washington state get covered <laughs> <sighs> i had to delay my trip to Montana, came back to Montana, and then the gun decision happened. Right. Everybody's packing heat now in the streets of New York. Thank God. Well, safer. And then the abortion thing happened. And I'm like, I picked the wrong week to quit huffing paint. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I guess I'm just, I'm kind of blown out on, on it. You know what I mean? Like, I've yes, I do. The last few days talking I about do. it. I did go see Elvis and um, in during Elvis, I don't know if this is encouraging at all. It probably isn't. James said it wasn't when I told him my speech, but <laughs> so during Elvis, there's these seminal moments in history like JFK getting shot or uh, MLK getting shot, you know, stuff like that, like all the tumult in the 60s. I mean, you can go back to in time even further, but throughout the course of the history of the United States, there have been really, really horrible things that have happened and tumult and financial crises, crises and racism, all sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. And eventually things work themselves out. I mean, people have to stand up and people have to become active and and fix it but there is a path to fix some of these things it just takes action i don't have a lot of hope <laughs> i no, have I don't. hope i don't have I, know. I, don't have I do any. have some hope that we can fix things we'll see i'm trying not so, to get too down we'll put it that way um okay um what are you fearing today marie well now that you mention it i am fearing that i won't ever find out the ending to this story so <laughs> <laughs> okay i would like you i'm i'm very curious to see how this uh, plays out so so this is i'm thinking where we ended last time is around the time where just to update everybody real quick is we have a murder of uh kendra while she's dating a guy named the f ricky. ricky she's dating a guy named ricky ricky was being stalked and did not know it and Kendra was being stalked and did not know it by someone named Brenda who previously had dated and was obsessed with Ricky and so 
the murder plot churns on. Let's go. All right. All right. Part 11. Don't you hate it when your car shows up on the news as a getaway vehicle? So the police got the surveillance video from the garage apartment, like I said earlier, uh, the, the apartment garage. And they released the video of the Jeep driving out of the garage. And you could tell that there's a woman behind the wheel, but you can't really see her very well. And so that was on the news. And Jose is watching the news. Lo and fucking behold, there's his Jeep. His black Jeep Cherokee is the getaway car. He freaks out, obviously. What the hell's going on? He calls Brenda. And one of the things she says is, maybe you should repaint your car. I was thinking about Jose. I was actually thinking about Jose earlier and I was like waiting for the right time to bring him back up. But when you were talking about her going on dates with guys and talking about Ricky, I just had this vision in my mind, almost like a a scene in a movie where a girl like goes out on a date with a guy and she's like, blah, 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 Ricky the whole time. And then they head back to her her apartment and they're like fucking. And while they're fucking, she's like, blah, 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 Ricky the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be a great scene in the movie? And the guy's just like laying there and she's like, she's she's still on the Ricky. She's still talking about him. (laughs) She's like Kelly from the office, you know, when she talks about Ryan all the time. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, she says, you should repaint the Jeep. He's like, I ain't fitting to do that. He realizes this woman is a murderer and I'm part of, I'm in danger, <laughs> basically. So he goes so to the police, right? He goes to the police. Okay. Yes, good. he goes to the police. All right, so Jose might have been a catch. Yeah, Jose is on the up and up here. I like this yeah. guy. He's letting you use his car and then you fucking use it in a murder? Kind of a, I mean... Not a good friend. So eventually he tells the police who borrowed it. And Brenda and this friend of Brenda's, Crystal. So Crystal, when they track down Crystal, she is all over the place, changing her story. And I don't know. And I wasn't there. And oh, yeah, I was there. But I didn't mean to rob somebody. I meant to do this. And I don't know. And finally, she says a little bit about how Brenda paid her to drive a guy to rob somebody that's the story she sticks with all right so they have brendan in not in custody i guess in custody but not arrested you know they have, they're talking to her the cops and so there's a dallas police detective named barnes i'm going to read this verbatim from what i assume because it's in quotation marks in the article from skip hollandsworth is that this is what he did with brenda in the confession room in the interrogation room And he gets real. This is part 12. Cop gets real with Brenda. He tells Brenda, I have had my heart broken and I know what it feels like. I understand what it's like to want something you can't have. I also know what it feels like to want something so bad you're willing to do anything for it. All of this revolves around you. And it's all because you couldn't have something. You couldn't get him back as long as she was alive. I think, he tells her, you hated the fact that you weren't good enough for Ricky. maybe he didn't like the way you look maybe he didn't want a dental hygienist anymore and he wanted a dentist maybe he didn't like the fact that your parents aren't well off maybe he didn't want a girlfriend from pleasant grove maybe his standards were too high for you but for whatever reason you weren't good enough and that's a hard pill to swallow wow i mean yeah how did she react Apparently, she just sat there blinking. 
And then he says, it's very hard to look in the mirror and say, what does she have that I didn't have? And he said, she sat there for a minute and he thought she might break. She's kind of blinking at him. But then she didn't say another word and they had to let her go. So, Brenda later days is at New Mexico. They can't find her after they finally have the, the, the evidence yeah. uh, from Crystal. And then from Crystal, they got her phone. And when they got Crystal's phone, that's where they got all the shit. Yeah. And so they got all the shit that she'd been talking to Christopher with a K about and all the things. And so they, they have Christopher, Christopher with the K, right? Or they have it. So yeah, they get him. Okay. They got Jose saying, Brenda and Crystal took my car. That's who was driving. From Crystal, they got her phone. And now they're going to go get Christopher because the phone leads to Christopher with a K. So they find Christopher. They search his car. And what did they find in the car, Marie? Did Christopher get rid of that gun? No. Fuck, no. Guns are expensive. He kept that gun. That gun was still in his car. The Smith and Wesson used to kill Kendra. Let me get, he's probably got a dry erase board with all their plans too. (laughs) And arrows and dollar signs. (laughs) So they arrest him. But where was Brenda? Brenda was hanging with her family in, I don't know, how do I say this? Torreon, T-O-R-R-E-O-N, Torreon. 200 miles west of Monterey in north central Mexico. Okay. And when the FBI got involved, of course, and they put her on their most wanted list, one of the very few women who've ever been on that list, and six months later, she is arrested. She surrenders without incident. I don't know if they knocked on her door or whatever, but because it's Texas and because it's first degree, which we call capital murder, it's death penalty. So Mexico's like, fuck no, you ain't taking her. She's a Mexican citizen. You not getting her as long as death penalty is on the table. So the Dallas DA agreed, we will not pursue the death penalty. Can we please have the bitch back? And then they said, here you go. So she spent six months on the lamb in Mexico. Someday we got to go on the lamb. I want to go on the lamb. You want to go on the lamb with me? Yeah, I've been wanting to go on the lamb for a long time. I think we go on the land somewhere to like Thailand or something. I don't know. I feel like I'm on immunosuppressant drugs. I don't know if Thailand's the best place for me. We probably have cheap, better drugs there. (laughs) (laughs) I can get, again, I can get like a performance, gym performance enhancing drugs there too, right? Yeah. All right, I'll Um, go on the land to Thailand. Okay, let's go on the land. Let's go on the land. And then um, we'll, we'll podcast from wherever in the world, right? We can still podcast on the land. Yeah, maybe that'll be Becky and Marie. We'll do a special, it's like our Christmas special. It'll be like Becky and Marie on the lamb. <laughs> we got to come up with a really good crime before we go on the lamb, though. I mean, we can't just go on the lamb unless we're on the most wanted list, right? Like, let's get a good crime. Okay, I'll think on it. Um, I told you about my Barkley list, right? No. Charles Barkley once said that if he were diagnosed with a terminal illness, he would kill skip bayless on national television <laughs> okay skip bayless is another guy who's on the sports uh, he's on fox sports or something and he's a horrible human being i got you got it okay and it's like everybody hates him it's like ted cruz skip bayless everyone hates him and so charles barkley is like i would kill him on national television if i were terminally ill 
So Curtis and I have this joking, running joke of our Barkley list of who we would kill. Oh, okay. okay. So let's come up with a really good list. Okay. Not saying any names right now because I don't want to give it away. And I also don't want to get arrested for terrorist threats. I do think it would be fun to record in other places, other locations. Other than your t-shirt closet? <laughs> My t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, no, I, I'm. I'm not making fun of you. You know, I wasn't making fun of you. Hey, you know what? Don't flip me the bird. You I, say "fuck you" out loud on this podcast. <laughs> I know you're a bad influence. Um, I have some. I have a. If I turned this, you would see my uh, flannel shirt collection as well. <laughs> <laughs> that changes everything, right? Come oh on! God. I don't just wear t-shirts. Is that a sport? Is that the sports bra in question? Or are you in a well, sports bra is here? Oh, that's a tank top. Okay. Yeah, I'm wearing a tank top because I worked out before our session. Good for you. I I am I am too depressed about the state of the world to even get off. My well, head. like here's my my issue is I had big goals about fitness, but now I'm just trying to get out of the Costco pants and into regular pants. Oh, you're still in your Costco pants. Okay. I'm still in the Costco pants, yeah. Okay. Although there are some pants I can put on, but I shouldn't sit down. <laughs> Perilous. As long as I stay sta- I'm at a standing event, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a picture of Christopher. He's about to go on trial. Oh my gosh. Wow. Real fine upstanding guy there. I mean, there's no skull there. Look at his eyes. And this look like is crystal. Wow. Where did she find these people? Okay. Crystal was a friend of her roommate, Jennifer's, who was just kind of like a friend, I think from school or something. Okay. Um, And then remember Christopher was just hanging out at Crystal's mom's house with his three kids. Okay. Great job, dad. Wow. Um, All right. So they brought Brenda back, but they put, Christopher on trial first, okay? Christopher with a K goes on trial in October of 2018. And he rats, right? No. He doesn't rat. Crystal stings like a canary because she is the key to all of it, first of all. And they threaten her with the death penalty and offer her 35 years. Um, And she says, yes, please, because if she stings like a canary then she will be eligible for parole after 15 years. Okay. That's the deal they give her. All right. So our good friend, uh, Christopher, the lowlife, who wanted to start a prostitution ring, found guilty. Can you say that? Aren't you supposed to say sex worker ring? No. <laughs> I think if it's a legal term, I think you can say prostitution ring. No, no, I don't think so. I'm confused because I've used prostitution in a legal sense and you've corrected me to sex worker when did so. you say that do you give me an example a tons of times i've said so-and-so was a prostitute and you're like sex worker yes but you're supposed to say sex worker i'm not talking about anybody in particular but it's a sex working ring i, I <laughs> okay, okay 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 <laughs> i feel like that's a uh, you're splitting hair you have beaten me into submission okay okay so um chris is now on death row in a place called the Polunsky Prison, which is northeast of Houston, I think, um, east of um, what's the other prison town? 
the big one in Texas, um, starts with an H. Huntsville, I think, it's somewhere up there, I think. Sorry, what's what's going on with your wrist? Did your cat try to kill you? Oh yeah, no, she, I had another Band-Aid here because you know, I was dead asleep, literally dreaming about puppies. Yeah. And she woke up from a nightmare apparently and dug all her claws all the way through. And, like, it actually looks through. like she's trying to kill you and make it look like I look like I look like I tried to kill myself, don't I? Yeah, yeah, you it's do. Terrible, I know. Anyway, all right, it's a setup. Harper's setting. Up. Yeah, I don't mean. Anyway, so he's on death row in a place called Polunsky, which I'd never even heard of. But by all accounts, this is a description of the delightful place that Polunsky is. Okay. This is, I think, according to Mother Jones, um, qnewshub.com is quoting Mother Jones. The all-solitary Allen B. Polunsky unit houses condemned Texans under some of the nation's harshest death row conditions. The prisoners are housed in single cells on a 22-hour day lockdown, and even during their daily recreation hour, they are confined in separate cages. No access to phones, televisions, contact visits, they remain in essentially a concrete tomb until execution day, a stretch of at least three years for the mandatory appeals process, and far longer if they opt to keep fighting. Some have been known to commit suicide or waive their appeals rather than keep fighting. Ugh, wow. Yeah. So, Christopher, way to be a great dad, you know? You were going to get $3,000 worth of, by the way, like you said, it was more than uh, Crystal got. <laughs> yeah, Crystal didn't do a good negotiation. No. Brenda's trial began June 2019. And I'm going to quote from the Hollingsworth article here because it says it really well. In the courtroom, quote, she wore long dresses, her pants, and oversized black rimmed glasses. Not once did she turn around to look at Kendra's family or her own family or any of the other spectators packed into the gallery, nor did she look at many of the witnesses who testified. But then Ricky took the stand. Perhaps Brenda realized this would be her last chance to see him and the last chance for him to see her. Still as a statue, she kept her eyes on him as he spoke, but he refused to turn in her direction except when the DA asked him to identify her. There was a pause and reluctantly he glanced at Brenda. They locked eyes and Ricky looked away. So this is the side note. Um, I have a connection of a friend who knows him pretty, pretty well. And um, it's not been easy. And of course. Without giving away anything, um, I'm not saying his last name for a reason. You can find this story if you really, really want, but I don't want to just start, I don't want to bring him back into this story any more than he has to be. And it's, it's to think about dating, you know, people Google you and then this comes up, you know, it's yeah. like, ooh, it's just, and he had to fly back for the trials and stuff and keep having to deal with it and handle it and very, very difficult. So, the trial takes exactly five days. Started on a Monday, ended on a Friday. The jury took, how long did they take to reach their verdict? Marie, I want you to just- 30 minutes. Take a about it. Ha! Even that's too long. 20 really? minutes. Two zero, 20 minutes. Wow. Life in prison without the possibility of parole. That seems what? appropriate. I mean, she's a dangerous person. Absolutely. But what a fucking nightmare. And she was, I think, 32 or something. That is a long ass time. You were going to be in prison. You were not a 70 year old. You know what I'm saying? You were just beginning your life. 
So there was an interesting article written by one of the jurors and it was in the Dallas Observer. His name was Casey Miller was on the jury and he describes, it's really well written and I put that our website will have our, um, our sources and stuff in the Dallas Observer um, juror article. He just describes how it is that the prosecution managed to get this guilty verdict in 20 minutes after only five days in the Capitol. I mean, not capital because they took away death penalty, but, you know, murder trial, first-degree murder. And he says, first, get an organized prosecution team with a related capital murder conviction already completed because Christopher Vinicay was already gone for this. Use physical evidence, cell phone records, surveillance camera footage, and accomplice witness testimony that worked the first time at the other trial. Put the ex-boyfriend on the stand to lay out the timeline. Present not one, not two, but three witnesses who independently tell of the defendant's solicitations of murder or hire. This is what gets people in trouble. Is long before they end up with the person who agrees to do it, they've asked other people to do it. You know, how many times do we see that in these cases, you know, that we talked about in um, the, the kid who killed his family in Houston, another Texas story, because he didn't want to go to college and yeah. he got people to murder his entire family. By the time they did it, he'd gotten, he'd asked people for years to murder his family, you know, but hey, want to give the family a heads up people? I mean, yeah. no, they don't. Um, so he's saying you also present initial filmed police interview with the defendant, wherein she hears her Miranda rights, voluntarily consents to having her cell phone dumped and incriminates the hell out of herself with multiple lies. You know, um, I think that's really important. I know people don't want to get people in trouble, but you got to speak up. Like I was hearing stories recently that that kid in Uvalde was carrying around bags of dead cats and like just a weirdo violent person and nobody said anything. I mean, there's other stories, but, but my point is. You're dinging. You're dinging. Is that me dinging? I'm not dinging. I'm sorry. I, I'm on this computer. Is that your heart meter? Are you okay? <laughs> it sounds my heart meter. No, it's I I don't, don't even have this computer shouldn't even have notifications of my um sorry. But you know, I've I've been in situations before. Um I won't give details, but I've been in situations once a long time ago where a group of people invited me over and they were sitting around drinking getting stoned and sure. they were discussing murdering another person what yes so what yeah they, it was one person they wanted to murder and another person they wanted to slash their tires and vandalize their car in their apartment so why what the people. fuck and so I sat there for a while and then I was like, oh, look at the time, gotta go, right? I didn't Yeah. Come. And I was like, hey, see you guys later. And I left. And then I immediately telephoned um, a person. You called the person? A per I actually didn't call the person first. Oh. I called a person of authority. Oh, okay, good. Um, so... A group of people that were hanging out a lot and smoking pot and drinking had it out for and for, do you remember? Yeah. Like one of the guys 
had a crush on her and she wasn't interested in him. And I don't remember exactly why they had a, a beef with, but there the guy was actually talking about raping and murdering her. Everyone was laughing about it. It was oh, that's hilarious. It was crazy. So I called and told I was very upset. Like I was worried because yes. when I left the party, I mean, it was obvious I was disturbed by it. You know what I mean? Yes. Immediately called campus security and the two guys that were leading the discussion about the murdering were immediately kicked off, kicked off campus. Uh, good. Did they get protection for? Yeah. Being... Yeah. So the, but, uh, okay. but yeah. Oh. Oh. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe you never told me that story. No, I guess I, I don't remember why I forgot about it, but. And everybody was just laughing? Yeah. Wow. I personally didn't speak up because I'm surrounded by a bunch of people and I don't know if they're going to murder me. Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? of course. Um, but anyway, point going back yeah, okay. that I have, even like in the workplace, I've had situations where somebody has said something crazy and I, I tell HR, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't screw around. Like, it's not that I want to get people in trouble, but you can't talk about plotting murders of people it's not Mm -mm. funny Mm -mm. it's not appropriate no 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 and and there are way too many cases of people who did kill someone where they had told other people that they were going to do it and no one told them like no one told Um, I mean I actually have a I have worked with people that have talked about co-workers plotting to sabotage other people's work to get them fired I mean it's crazy what people will do when they get into these like group think situations, but mm-hmm. yeah, like even I do think when, when something's not right, you need to say something. That's, that's all I, you can also ask, you can ask for people to be anonymous and not tell, tell your name and yeah, like that, but you got to speak up. Yeah. Well, if anybody I mean, I'm not the one you come to if you want to murder somebody because I am going to tell. Just so you know, I will rat you out. So don't come to me. Just don't. Let's start there. You know, yeah. the people who who hear these plots or are asked to help out with them and don't do anything are so fucking confounding to me. And I don't care if that one guy, I know he said I thought she was kidding or she was drunk or whatever. Okay, but still, <laughs> I've been plenty drunk in my life. I've never plotted anybody's death. It's like that thing we were saying the other day. When Roseanne Barr was, was tweeting racist things, she blamed Ambien. Ambien's like, well, there's a lot of side effects to Ambien, but racism is not racism. one of them, right? <laughs> like, I've been, a lot of side effects to being drunk and plotting a murder ain't one of them, bud. She's serious. She means it. You know how I know? Because she did it. Yeah. 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 So if there's anybody out there plotting a murder right now, man, and somebody's telling you about it, tell somebody. Yeah. Nothing in Houston was the college kid. He'd been asking people since high school. He was, I think, 23. Yeah. To kill his family. Well, and a ton of these uh, school shooters and mass shooters, they project it on the internet. They tell people stuff they're going to do. Um, That's yeah. the thing that this story is really confounding. It's a very strange story. And that is, 
it took a confluence of a bunch of types of people and personalities for it to happen because I tell my students, and it's true, it's true that nobody kills somebody out of the blue um, unless it's a bar fight or something, okay? But I mean, like, there is a long trail leading up to these types of domestic violence or stalking or whatever deaths that result in death. But what's, what's interesting about this one is he was being stalked and didn't know it. And Kendra was too, okay? But other people knew. She was obsessed with this, obsessed with their relationship. And she would tell anybody and everybody at school about it. She would tell everybody that she knew, her roommates, her friends, her parents, her everybody, obsessed with their relationship. And so there were signs. It's just the signs were not being seen by the two people involved, which that's what makes it pretty rare. Now, I'm not, of course, never, ever, you and I never, ever victim blame, ever. I just wish that Ricky had had his eyes a little bit wider open to wondering why these coincidences were happening, happening and change your passwords once in a while, dude. You know, yeah. fucking change your passwords. Um, but she had the keys to the kingdom. And if you imagine somebody snooping on your phone because they have your iCloud keychain password, game over, right? You're not hiding anything from them. I feel like I deal with this a lot where I, it's probably just my life experiences, how I've raised things that I've gone through. I'm very suspicious of people and I tend to see things that are going on. But unfortunately, I have to be careful because if I'm always the one that's saying, hey, this is going on, and you're, when you're surrounded by a lot of people who want to believe the good in everyone, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I so want to believe the good in everyone, but when the signs are piling up, man, you can't turn a blind eye. Right. There's just a lot of people that don't want to deal with, they just don't want to deal with it. And they want to believe that people's hearts are in the right place and everything. And they don't want to hear about it. Well, here's what I wonder. If I could have a conversation with Ricky, I would, I would ask him this. Those breakups that he initiated, the two breakups, I want to know exactly why. And I wonder what kind of obsessive behavior she displayed during the relationship that we just don't know about. Right. That he got stopped once the relationship ended. Because you could tell me that she stalked him while they were dating and wanted to and creeped on every girl he ever looked twice at or or worked with. Or, you know, I would be shocked if that some of that wasn't present in their relationship while it was going on. Because yeah. I bet you she was very possessive of him. Yeah. And you could tell me that's part of why he said, you know what, later days, you know, and then when they got back together, she was promising to be better and maybe she was for a couple of days and then it turned around you know but I would be surprised if none of that happened during the relationship yeah because he didn't break up with her because she wasn't good looking enough or because she wasn't a dentist or any of those things they were really into each other he got back with her twice so obviously there was some behavior or something that Mm -hmm. bothered him enough to where he was like I can't continue in this yeah and and look in all fairness Sometimes you're in a relationship with someone and they make you feel less than too. They may not even mean to, right? It's just, you're not a good match. Yep. Um, so there could have, I don't want to put it all on, even though she's a bad person, I don't want to put it all on her either. You know, there may have been, it just may have been, it wasn't a good fit. It was a talk. There's also this whole thing of other people being aware I bet you that there are a lot of people who could have ended up down this path, but they probably had someone intervene, a friend or a family member go, look, 
we need to get you help. We need to turn you in this other direction, get you off of this path. And if she hadn't run into Crystal, who hadn't, I mean, all of these things had to have happened in order for this to happen, you know? I don't think she would do it herself. I don't think, I don't think she was either brave enough. I mean, she wanted an alibi and she thought she could outsmart the system by getting other people to do it. But I don't want to ever look at a crime and go, nothing we could have done because there were things that could have been done. There were signs. This did not happen out of the blue sky. Also, if, you know, if someone's listening that's got obsessive tendencies, I do think that at times I've had obsessive tendencies for whatever reason I've been able to like pull myself out of it. But I do struggle with ruminating yeah, rumination is a clear yeah. sign that she was having, yes. So uh, sometimes interpersonal things, work things, I ruminate on them. And I do gain pleasure from ruminating on them. But what happens is, and, and this is would be an interesting study if somebody has or hasn't done it, is at what point do you push that obsession and rumination to a point where you like change your brain chemistry in some way? or break something because clearly something snapped i know that's the way people say it but something is literally happening i feel like it's almost brain chemistry but i'm i mean i i'm not i'm not a neuropsychologist and i would love to study more neuropsychology um to to learn those things but i would be surprised if that's not the case so here's Um, an example non-murder related i watched a show on hoarders and what they did was they took a hoarder into a CAT scan and they would show them something from their house that was worthless, that they were about to throw in the garbage. And they were telling the person they have to press a button, yes or no, to throw it out. And like one of the things was like a mango seed, like the person ate a mango and let the seed dry out. Another thing was like a receipt, a meaningless receipt. And every time the person pressed a button, it registered on the scan like a death. Oh. Like they had suffered a great loss, like the death of a family member or something. Wow. So. Wow. wow. I'm very curious about the idea of how obsession sends people down a path to where they would actually need serious medical help to get out of it yes uh-huh me too me too some of it is personality but i also because i believe in education and i don't believe that we are trained enough growing up we are taught we are not taught we do not learn interpersonal relations even the details of your ever everyday life of how to talk to somebody break up with somebody how to do these things we don't know how to get over somebody we're not taught life skills like that growing up right you just you don't learn it in school the way that you learn it right and I, I do think some of it is education, is interpersonal communication education, mm-hmm. because over the years when I taught my students, how um, do you know, there's a checklist I have of how do you know if you are being controlled by someone? But then I said, come back tomorrow, we're going to talk about whether or not you're controlling. My kids are like, I'm not controlling. I'm not. And I'm like, do you do this, 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 right? Um, and then some, I've watched them like shrink down in their little seats, you know, and like, and we also have long discussions about how to break up with somebody, how to accept a breakup. And so I think some of that is just, is really skills to learn how to do it. 
I'm not saying it would have fixed her, but we maybe could have had an intervention of some kind of, we need to, you know, do other things other than spend our time doing this. And so I'll tell you one story about a guy. This is a, this is one of the two, maybe three students in my teaching career, thousands of students who wigged me out. He gave me the creeps and I would never be alone with him. And so if he'd come to my office, I would, we'd take a walk, we'd go down the hall and we'd walk together or we talked or whatever. Um, and one day at the very end of the semester, he follows me down to um, a group office where I kind of shared a space with some people, but nobody was in there and I didn't go in with him. So I just stood in the hallway and he just, he was a really tall guy. So he towered over me because I'm no tiny person. And he was talking about this girl that just broke up with him. And he's like, you teach interpersonal, you gotta help me get her back. How do I get her back? And how do I make sure that she wants to be with me again? And I was like, I don't remember the guy's name, but I'm gonna just name him Sam. I said, Sam, remember what we talked about? He said, her no is a no, and that's a competence. You have to move on. I remember, you know, but his brain was so like, his entire world had, had become her. And I hope he did get help. You know, I don't know that he was gonna hurt her. I just think that he had the potential to live inside of this rumination um and and revel in it for yeah. his own misery much less inflicting it on her you know um but hopefully he did learn some of those skills you know because he did say oh yeah we talked about this this you know of how to not let something take over your entire reality and once that does it's hard to climb out from underneath it's like a blob you know like the blob of a blanket just lays on top of you and climbing out from under it yeah. it's easier to never get under it than it is to climb out once you're there yeah I think that when people are depressed and they're involved in this too, sometimes, you know, one of the signs of depression is like sleeping a lot. So you just go into a fantasy world about whatever it is that you want to obsess about. Yep. This situation was also the perfect storm, right? You have somebody who had those tendencies. He happens to find somebody who's in her field kind of, you know, but, but more successful. It had to have made her crazy. I mean, it had to have... You know, like, I don't know if it's easier. Let's say if somebody, if your significant other moves on with somebody who's like a supermodel versus somebody who you know that you're, you know, like uh, cooler than or whatever, which one's easier or harder? I don't know. I mean, if I left Curtis for Thor, which I don't know if I would or not, I probably would. He wouldn't blame <laughs> me. He's already told me, you know, like, all right. It's okay for you to get with it's Thor. Fine. It's fine. Thor is fine. Although and we all know he's happily married, which drives the rest of us crazy because I want him to be a big jerk. Um, like, like in a way, the best thing to do is don't wish the best for somebody or wish the worst for somebody. Just get your big chief eraser out and remove it from your yep. life. Yep. It's not, it's not a necessity in your life anymore. You know, you decided you didn't decide you wanted to be friends with this person. You decided you wanted to be life partners with this person. And it didn't work out. So you can't, you can't downgrade their relationship to friendship. It's almost impossible to clean slate, clean slate, clean yeah. slate. And this is my advice for anybody out there who was on a cell phone plan <laughs> with someone. When you break up, you change your passwords and you get them off your fucking cell phone plan. That's my advice. Maybe don't be on social media with them either. If you're going to, I didn't yeah. know. I know somebody who had gotten broken up with. I don't know if that's the correct phrasing. I have a degree in English. Um, and the guy started dating another girl who had a public Facebook page and she did that a lot. She looked at their Facebook page a lot. Like Not she awesome. would screenshot pictures of them together and I was like, oh my God, girl, 
no, stop, <laughs> stop. Yeah, don't look at the page. There's no good that could come of it. None. And then let's talk real quick. This is, um, we're going to wrap this up. This is going to be two episodes. So I'm going to wrap this up. And then what was her next, what was the next steps? I'm going to bring him groceries the day after the murder. And then he's going to want to be with me now. Girlfriend, he's already told you that he does not want to date you twice. You know, (laughs) he had to like, but like, there's no guarantee that if you get rid of Kendra, that he's not going to find another girl who is not you. That's a bad plan. Yeah. It's not like it was you or her. And then if she's out of the picture, but that's how people think. I think that's how people think. Well, stupid people. I mean, this girl did not think her decision-making was not intelligent. And like you said, maybe there's something that happened chemically inside of her brain that made it, you know, made her not able to see reality the way that we see reality, you know, and see our choices and the effects of those choices. Maybe, but, but I just don't know, man. I just don't. Um, the well, long-term plan there was just because you know what I said and this is not because I at the time I didn't have a degree in criminology I just love studying murder it took me that long to go it's either her ex or his ex you think the cops weren't going to put two and five together and get seven two you know yes exactly well it's time okay. to wrap this episode up Becky do you want to take can, us home yeah um can you believe that we finally got to the end of this? And we did try and give a little bit of advice, which we usually don't do. So I th- we always give advice. What do you talking- I know we don't want people listening to us. We don't know what we're don't talking about. Don't follow our advice. Yeah, don't follow our advice. Except for the advice that I don't want you killing people. Please don't do that. Um, and don't involve people in your murders. Marie no had good advice last week or week before where she said, if you're going to murder someone, please keep selfies, taking selfies and videoing it. That would yes, be great. So don't kill people, but if you do, make sure you record it so that we have all the evidence. And if you're going to stalk somebody, make sure you tell them you're stalking them so that it's not a surprise. Um, all right. Thank you for listening. Please uh, send us an email, fearlessatnowfear.com. Tell us what you fear. We'll read it on the show. Give us a good review. Give us five stars wherever you get your podcast. And go to fearthispodcast.com for life-changing content. Yeah, go there. And I'm okay with like four and a half stars too. Stop it! (laughs) That always irritates you. Why? Why does it always have to be a perfect five stars? Why would you give us four stars? If you don't want to give us four stars, Maybe there's one thing they don't like. Maybe there's one thing they don't like. Uh, Okay. I just talked to somebody today who I didn't even know listened to the show. Somebody who's related to Curtis. Yeah, and I was like, Oh shit, I say too many F bombs. And she's like, Oh, like, I didn't know your show was back. You went away for a while. I was like, Oh God, I'm so sorry. Because she's so she listens to it. It's a guilty <laughs> yeah. pleasure. She likes hearing you curse. <laughs> oh, I'm very, well, very I'm sorry. We're grown adults here. You know, yeah, apparently. I'll buy it. We buy need a warning, this. like a trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> no, never, ever. I'm watching this really great documentary right now. It's on HBO, but it's they're feeding it one by one, which drives me crazy because I just prefer to binge. Ooh, what is it? Tell me. Um, shit. Let me see what the name of it is. It's Mind Over Murder, is the okay. name. So I'm right this down. Yeah, put in Mind Over Murder. The basic premise, which you see in the trailer, is this grandma lives in this tiny apartment in this town called Beatrice 
mm-hmm. uh, Nebraska. And it's like a, a, almost like a bachelor apartment in this town. And somebody brutally rapes and murders her. And the police decide that it was like six people and they bring them in. And basically it's a false confession situation, but it's hard to tell who to believe. Oh, but, okay. But, uh, but it, so far I thought it was pretty fascinating. And what the filmmaker does to kind of frame it she decides to do a play based on the transcripts from the murder trial. And so she's interspersing people trying out for the play, playing the different roles. Huh. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Give it a shot. Okay, good. All right. See y'all later. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.